So hello, everyone. This is Otessa, and you are listening to Conversations with Hysterical Women. That's Women with an X, the Hysterical Women podcast, where you are all welcome here, friends, allies, everywhere across the rainbow, across the binary. I'm just really glad to have you be here. And this is meant to be a safe space to explore all of the weird things that life throws at us and all of the different ways in which we can be twisted and torn asunder, but also all the different ways that we can come back together. So thank you for listening, and I'm glad that you're here and going to be cheesy, but comment, like, subscribe. So what are ways, and and you have just outlined them, like put something together on Canva, um, figure out who your target demographic is. And there are so many different ways to do that in addition to what you mentioned. So if I would just say, if anyone wants to know more about that, like, honestly, just Google it or, you know, figure out about analytics but also your idea about having a survey form is really the best. And I know that's something that I also do internally and it's very helpful. Yeah. And then use that to approach companies. And at that point, you're, you're not looking about at investing your money. You're looking at investing your time. And that's something that you can be mindful of. Absolutely. And, and that's where I feel like you can make the leap and the bet on yourself in a unstable economy, you know? If you're, if you have, if you've been editing your podcast, right. And it sounds like a lot of um, DC web festers are getting, you know, they are getting hundreds of downloads. They're getting a following. Um, And if you can edit audio, if you're a decent host, if you can, um, you know, do some video cuts, I mean, you, there's really opportunities for people. Like if you, if you have followers that really want to figure out how they can do this job and leap full time. Yeah, think about that because you could really be partnering with some other businesses that are looking for new media to get their message out. And then suddenly you are living your passion project and getting paid. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you had said something in the beginning that I loved, um, which was you are far more irreplaceable than you probably realize. Something like that. Oh, 100%. You know, as a woman in media, I've seen seen it all. Um, (laughs) worked in very misogynistic environments and you know i'm not very politically correct so and i grew up in radio so i love you know i I do like having like a good laugh and all that stuff but i've worked for many media companies full-time who make you think that you know okay if you take a sick day you know we're going to be looking for another sarah and in fact i've actually had a media boss tell me that during contract negotiation now of course we were like number one radio morning show at that time so i and I was younger, I was like 28, you know, so I believed it, you know, to, and went along with it. But I guess I, I wish I could tell people as soon as possible to realize that your job, especially in a capitalist society is not your family there. Yeah. You know, they all preach that. Oh, we're family. <laughs> we're family. We're, oh, we're family. No, they're not. You, they're there as well for their bottom line. And we're not family. Yeah. And I, you know, I find that insulting when your boss says that, cause it's like, Oh, piss off. You know, no one, my family never treats me the way you do. Yeah. So, you know, you have to realize and play that game too for yourself, which is, it is far harder for them to replace you, especially if you are a good, well-performing employee. So you have a lot more bargaining power. And as women, that's some of the things I admire about men. Cause I think men are, they'll stick up for themselves or they just maybe have maybe that more of that bravado than women do. Um, but I really encourage women, you're far more valuable than you think. Yeah. So to go in and speak up for yourself and the times that I've done that in media environments, people have respected me and I've gotten what I wanted. But when I sort of am like, 
living, you know, on pins and needles and anxiety and, oh my God, I shouldn't call in sick and all that stuff, you know, and still I have to tell myself, it's okay. You can, you know, you deserve this. You work really, really hard. And yeah, you, you have to constantly remind yourself that you are far more valuable to them than you think. Absolutely. And I think in term, when I was thinking about that, I was like, yeah, because the if they were to replace you, which they're not, it's generally just a, a very empty threat that is meant to scare you. It's mm-hmm. meant to be an intimidation tactic. But if you were to actually break it down, they would then have to put up job listings. They would have to vet someone. They would have to then train someone. They would have to onboard someone. All of that takes weeks, weeks to fruition. Yeah. And even if you're, and we're assuming that you're someone who is doing a good job at work. But even if you're someone who's not doing a good job at work, it's really hard to replace you. Yeah. Like all of that time, all of those people, it's really, it's not to anyone's advantage unless if you're really significantly underperforming. So that also made me think about what you were saying in terms of reaching out to local businesses because they don't have the pay to play budget for say radio or television advertisements. And they don't have the the budget or the skill sets or the people to do something like having a bespoke podcast in-house. And those are all things that they might like to do, but, and they could have line items and they do have line items in their budget for these things Mm -hmm. um, already. So when you approach them, it's not like you're asking to add a new line item. You're speaking to a line item that already exists, or you're speaking to a desire that already exists and making it feasible for them. Absolutely. So you're not coming to them like a beggar. Yeah, no, 100%. And I mean, look, I see it all the time. I reach out to businesses all the time for my podcast. And um, I would say the majority of the time, at least 50%, if not more, I get a response, you know, of that they're looking for something. What did I have in mind? You know, can I send my price sheet? And that's something else that you need is, and this, you know, again, it is experimenting because I talk to bloggers and influencers and everybody charges all over the map. And, you know, I'm always all for, hey, as much as you can get, go for it. I think the pandemic has changed a lot of budgets. So I think the days of charging thousands and thousands of dollars for social media campaigns are tough right now, unless you have 100,000 plus, and they have to be real followers. That's the other thing. You know, a lot of people want to purchase followers to kind of get ahead. And, you know, now companies can run basically audit software on your account and they know how real or fake your audience is. So I think it's better to have a real audience and build it. But that's that's difficult, too, because it's pay to play for Instagram and Facebook. So everybody kind of has a different take on that. Um, But, yeah, I mean, there there are businesses out there that would love to hear from you and you will be amazed how many responses you get. So like just kind of very top line, like light touch suggestions on a price sheet. Well, I'd say, okay, so I would do a, definitely a Google search on this because yeah. there's a breakdown of like what you could charge on Instagram if you have 5,000 followers, 10,000, uh, 20,000. And, you know, IG stories selling those are big now. And I monetize everything. You know, I'm shameless. So <laughs> I will, I, I'll do, I'll do, you know, sponsored tweets, sponsored Facebook, sponsored. You but know, you're also, you're doing something that, that you like, you know? Yes. Yes. I'm, I live my life partially on on social media and the podcast. I will sell sponsored um, podcasts. One of the big things, and I highly recommend this, is, um, you know, I'll sell a five-minute commercial interview mm. on my podcast. Yeah. 
You can start at $500 for that because that's something that you lives on your podcast forever. The client can then have. Um, so that's worth $500 of your time. You've, you're setting up how to record the audio. You're asking, you're prepping the questions. You're letting them promote their business. And they're essentially getting a five minute mini podcast. So I charge usually anywhere 500 to a thousand dollars for that, because that's a yeah. lot of airtime for them. Um, as I mentioned with IG stories, they usually start like a hundred dollars a story, um, for, especially if you're over 10,000 and you have the swipe up. Yeah. Ability, um, even 150, 250, you can do, um, you know, tweets because they're more fleeting are usually cheaper, you know, $50 a tweet, yeah. something like that. Um, maybe your audience is really on Facebook. Facebook is still huge for people over 40, 40, 50, 60. And if that's your target range, um, you could charge hundreds of dollars for a Facebook post, especially if you have eight, let's say you've got a Facebook group going 8,000, 9,000 followers, um, hundreds of dollars for those. But even if you have five or 600, start with, you know, do a combo package where you have the client on your podcast. You're going to do X amount of Facebook uh, IG stories and tweets about them. And maybe you bundle it and you do $600, you know, six or $700 gets them two two rounds of social media and a five to eight minute interview on your show. Um, my audience has, you know, and people say, well, well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want my aunt to compromise my audience. Audiences are already groomed and used to commercials. We've spent years watching television before DVR, yeah. radio. They're already groomed to have a commercial. So you should not feel guilty or second guess having a paid person on your program. Right. Maybe it's not every single show, but you could definitely do it a couple times a month. Um, and that's how, that's a great way to start making revenue. And even, I mean, I do that. And in addition to that, I launch a Patreon. Yeah. Know, people want to support you as an independent podcast or entertainer. That is, that is all so good and so helpful. Thank Thank you so much for this. Um, oh, you're welcome. Well, gosh. I'm honored to be here. I hope it helps. No, this is, this is tremendously helpful. I'm so excited for when we get to share this um, with the public this is just, it's such good advice. Now I have, if it's all right with you, there's some like silly questions that I like to ask people. Um, but if there there are any questions or anything, anything that you would like to say before we wrap up, I want to make sure I give you the floor to say anything and everything. (laughs) No, I think I, I'm just very excited about, you know, I love podcasting. I love where it's heading. You know, we were talking, you and I were talking about too, some trends for 2021 and niches. Um, And I would just give people this suggestion. And again, if it doesn't fit you, it's not right for you, but I I love talking about trends. Yeah, me too. I, I think in 2021, you know, cancel culture is huge right now. I think you're going to see a lot of podcasts popping up around shows that offer debate voice, different voices on both sides of the aisle. I think people are craving that. I think anything around cancel culture, whether you're pro cancel culture or you're anti cancel culture, maybe you find a co-host that's one of each. I think those shows are going to do very, very well. We see the Joe Rogan shows, love him or hate him. Um, You see a lot of those kind of more, sometimes polarizing, but also sometimes willing to have on guests that have out there point of views are trend very, very well. So I think you're going to see a lot of that in 2021. And I do think the other thing, which ties into mental health, you're going to see a lot of shows talking about mental health, being on clubhouse, being on TikTok. you, You see 
lots of those videos and conversations now are around that managing ADHD, managing ongoing chronic health issues, managing anxiety and depression. Very, very big this year. And I think into 2022, especially because we're living through a pandemic. Absolutely. So that that's interesting about because, like, yeah, you said that and I was like, I would definitely listen to that podcast if it was about cancel culture from oh. with a co-host with each side. Right. We're all looking for what the, you know, it's, it's hard. Right. I think of Chris Harrison and like one day I feel like, Oh, bury Chris Harrison. But the next day I think, yeah. Oh, well maybe he didn't, you know, maybe Chris Harrison's okay. You know, it's, we're all kind of trying to figure it out, but, but that is that cancel culture is going to be a big, another big, big year, I think of that. And I think people are wanting to know opinions and how they should think or want, you know, certainly, look, you want to grow a following quickly, have cancel culture discussions and let audiences weigh in because people are very passionate on both sides about what they think about that. I know I am. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm like, right. Uh, yep. I'm like, I would probably be one of those people calling in. <laughs> you know, me too. Me too. I, I think about that. We, You and I may have to start a cancel culture podcast because I'm I- all about it. You know, and, and like- it's sometimes I just think it goes, how do you feel about Dr. Seuss books being canceled? You know, right. On the one hand, I'm like, okay. Then on the other hand, even Jimmy Kimmel came out and just said, canceling Dr. Seuss is how Donald Trump gets reelected. <sighs> well, he was not wrong. You know, I yeah. mean, where's, you know, it's a hard line. Yeah, no. And, and definitely the metric of I think one thing that I'm grateful for when it comes to cancel culture is getting away from the, oh, but this person has created art that I like. I'm like, okay, mm. they made something that you like, good for them. But how many people were traumatized or hurt so that you were not able to, they were not able to live their life to the fullest and you were not able to appreciate what they had to offer to society as a result. So you had a net loss. Like you might get one quote unquote great thing that this terrible person created, but if they left behind a string of bodies who without their, without the negative intervention, they would have gone on to ameliorate society, then that is a net loss. And I know that that's just like a very like numbers based way to look at it, but that's usually mm -hmm. how I try to talk about it with people. So I don't get like emotional because I can definitely talk to this from an emotional standpoint too. Yeah. But I think that if you're talking about like, okay, so the emotional damage or the trail of bodies behind it, what is the trail of bodies in each particular case? If we're talking about it's problematic, but it's not Woody Allen. I know. It's, then, yeah. But that even even having to like describe it in that way and that shape is highly problematic. And I just did it. But I no, think that that's that why that's why there's so much of value here to explore. Yeah, there is right. There totally there. Yeah, it is endless conversation, and it's certainly endless conversation that people have very strong opinions on. Yeah. And this actually brings me to another, I want to circle back to something um, because in terms of cancel culture, I think that I, I'm glad that it exists. And I think that it's, I'm grateful for a lot of things that are being brought to light, but something that we had also talked about previously was um, as a, as a content creator, as a podcaster, when you might get canceled and it, oh, might, yes. be un, it might be, um, I've been canceled. Exactly. <laughs> like, and this is where yes. it comes to like the, Cancel culture in theory is great, but sometimes you can be canceled for something that. Well, look, I mean, yeah. here's, here's my thing about why I'm not, why I'm anti-cancel culture is because ultimately everyone, and, and I know it's coming from a place of accountability. And I think all that is very, very important. But the truth is, is 
no matter who you are, and especially putting out a public voice. And now with a podcast, whether you want to admit it or not, or a tweet, a Twitter account, any social media that you have, you're a public figure, basically. If you're going on there and you're sharing your opinions, you're, you're open and fair game. Yep. And we've seen this with the bachelor right like not only that and i can't even remember her name she's she was a former bachelorette now she actually is an advocate for um kind of cancel culture and accountability well anyway she's been in the news for the past um i think it's taya anyway i I gotta look up the name before we go but she put out these tweets eight years ago that are very you know anti-asian anti-indian all this stuff and and now her whole foundation that she's built is basically on canceling people and holding them accountable but now she's being canceled you know because she did all this so i what i want people to know is you know you forget we are all human and we do make mistakes and we do say things when we're younger that we wouldn't say when we're older and the problem is is those are if you're out there and you're one way or the other or just even putting your material out as an entertainer like myself you know people are coming for you and they're they're doing deep dives back in your past 10 years ago to your, find things yeah right your co-workers are coming for you your old you know someone you dated is coming for you that that you may have said something or done something on the date that you didn't think was problematic but now is 